Sam. What, Don? What's the word? Closure. Closure. The only time your sponsor uses the word closure is before the word mouth. Where'd you hear that? I heard heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. Don, how you doing, man? I'm good. Have you got any tips for us today? You're talking about that massage story, aren't you? All right, Don. So, you know, I recently... Is this safe for work? It is totally safe for work. So I found out about this massage school uh, nearby, and there I can go and get a 90-minute massage for $45. I'm like, oh, my God, because there's two ways to my heart, Don. Massage and creme brulee. <laughs> so I started going, and the, and the first student that I got was just amazing. And so I set up weekly appointments with him. And I mentioned this at dinner one night after a, a meeting. Someone said something about tipping. And I don't know what happened. I had this huge disconnect in my head because I think it was a school that I went to in Greensboro at one point that you couldn't tip the students. Hmm. And so it never occurred to me to tip this guy. And so I called the school the the next day to find out, is there a a no tipping policy? And they were like, no. And I'm like, what's the average tip? And, And when I saw him later that week, you know, I pulled him aside before we got started and just talked to him. It's like, listen, I am so sorry. And I cleaned up with him and I gave him tips for the massages that he'd already given me. It ate my lunch from the time that I found out about this at that dinner until I was able to clean it up. But it was one of those things that stayed on my mind. And that is not a place I like to be. You know, we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Totally means (laughs) that I know when I don't have those things and there are things that I need to do to address that when they come up. And in this particular case, it truly was making amends to this guy for obviously an accidental oversight, but still a harm done. And so I made those amends and he's still working on my back and it's awesome. All right. (laughs) And he's getting good tips. (laughs) Yes, indeed. I kind of always had the idea that tipping was superficial and Uh, My son is a barista and he has taught me that I need to be tipping at a minimum 20%. That's what Mm -hmm. he does. But but it's kind of like being responsible. It is. I had a responsibility to hold up my end of the bargain, so to speak. Right. I have tools today to help me get through situations like this so that I don't continue to feel bad. Yes. Um, I step up, take care of the situation. And what do you know? It's another day that I did something wrong and I didn't get drunk over it. Yeah. And what I used to do was run away from it and then wait for the feeling to go away or drown (laughs) it and then drown it like a rat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today's interview is a uh, coffee shop conversation with Cindy about her recovery. And then we'll have a short discussion with past guest Josh centered around pound sign, heard in a meeting. That's hashtag Don. You know, that's what I meant. Mm -hmm, I hear you. (laughs) 
Josh, you may remember, serves on the GSO board as a trustee. He was on episode two. Yeah, and with Josh, we're going to do a quick search for hashtag heard in a meeting and see what people have uh, flagged as interesting. Sounds good. But first, let's get to our guest. Hi, I'm Cindy. I'm an alcoholic and I live in Fairfax, Virginia. Hey, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Cindy, when did you get sober? I was 29. I'm not 29 now. I got sober in 94. (laughs) And I was a one one night wonder. I haven't uh, found it necessary to go out since that night. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. One night was it? It sounds like you're talking about your last drunk. No, that was my first night in a meeting. Uh It was a meeting I attended. I had been dating somebody in the program, but I, of course, didn't have a problem. (laughs) And we went to a meeting one night and I realized that everything they had been talking about for the previous three months that I had been attending meetings, you know, in support of my friend was really applying to me. I always say that I uh, realized I was walking like a duck and quacking like a duck. And that <laughs> night I said I was an alcoholic and I realized I was in the home, home I needed to be in. Wow. I, I love how that just happens that there are so many of us that show up in support. You know, I don't have the problem. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Why is this making sense to me? <laughs> Why am I laughing at your jokes and I'm finding offense at things that you say, maybe I want to change. Why is that happening? Yeah. <laughs> well, had you, so you learned of AA from someone you were dating? I actually learned of AA when I was in college, not because I had a problem, but I worked in um, dorms at college and they always told us about AA and what to do with people who seem to have a drinking problem, which I said, yes, absolutely. We should take notes about that. Were you taking yeah. shots while you were taking those notes? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> taking shots yeah. and taking notes. <laughs> I just, I was told by friends of mine that if I'm going to date her, I needed to support her. And that the best way to do that was to go to AA meetings and understand AA. And I was like, oh, okay. Not thinking, you know anyone was making that suggestion that I go to AA, just. You didn't quite catch on that she knew you had a problem? I will say, I don't think she knew I had a problem. I did a very controlled drinking around her. We would go out for dinner as we were dating and I would order my favorite Long Island iced tea and I would drink just half because my friends told me she was in AA, right? So I knew I couldn't finish those drinks, which was painful. And have the half a drink, I'd drop her at home and then I'd go home and get trashed. Cause you guys know once that little trigger starts, there's no stopping that bus, right? Oh it's like, man. Don't make me stop. I, I was never good at that controlled drinking thing. I still to this day remember the time that the we had a family dinner and the table wasn't ready. So I got a margarita. Oh, uh huh. Mm-hmm. But I could not let myself have anything more because I was tasked with driving my grandmother back home. And Oh, I still remember a margarita. <laughs> yeah, that's awful. I've never heard of that. <laughs> well, Cindy, how did you get to the place where that you felt like that you had a problem with alcohol? Was this working for you? And you didn't want to go to AA for yourself. So what, what ended up happening is I was going to Al-Anon right? Because that's what good helping alcoholics do. And uh, I was <laughs> okay. going to Aladon 
And I always say those poor women smelled me coming. They're like, here, honey, have a seat, you know, and I would go in drunk. Um, I wouldn't think I'm not drunk. I should say I'd have a few drinks beforehand, which, as you guys know, a few drinks is not drunk. That's just taking the edge off. <laughs> exactly. And I got to talk to these women. Ah. But I think I just uh, went to enough open speaker meetings and I just started hearing the stories. And I and as much as I didn't want to relate, I was relating to what people were talking about, that incomprehensible demoralization, right? That not knowing what you did the night before and people pissed off at you, right? Or driving drunk, which was my thing. I love to drive drunk. I'd love to drive. So it didn't matter if I was drunk or not, but I would certainly bring a bottle with me. So, you know, I like the way you put that. I love to drive drunk. I love to drive and prove how good I was of a drunk drive. Like I'm just nuts, but I will say, you know, I, I did not relate in right away and probably why it took me so many months because everyone talked about their DUIs. They talked about being arrested they talked about losing jobs, losing spouses, losing homes. I had none of that. All the consequences, all the yets. All the yets. And that's what I heard. Yets, right? You're eligible too. Oh, I hadn't heard that backronym. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I started hearing that and I started thinking, yeah, I drive way out of my way to avoid roads that I know cops are monitoring, right? right. I have never lost a job, but I've changed a lot of jobs, right? Before that time might have happened, right? I would oh, yeah. uh, drink to blackout. Uh, you know, the stories about blackouts, I remember the feeling of waking up and not knowing, right? Mm -hmm. Prior to that, I, I didn't think anything was wrong with that because everyone I hang out with has the same problem, right? We do the same thing. We all go to the bars together and we all drink together and, you know. It's fun when it's fun. And it's normal when you're hanging out with people who drink the way you do. or Right. And I was such a, a dressed up garbage can. You know, I felt like such crap on the inside. I didn't know that that's not the way everybody felt. I just assumed mm. everybody felt like crap on the inside. And it was all about putting up the face outside. So it was surprising to me that really the way I felt about myself when I came into AA, which was I felt like. Mortimer snurred the walking turd, but I was like, I felt horrible about myself. And so much of it was alcoholism itself. And I had no idea. Cindy, so you, you came in feeling this horrible, this intense de demoralization, this walking garbage can dressed up and prettified. But is there a point that you can recall when that you noticed that that was changing? Oh, great question. It was a few months for me, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. I was of the slowly variety. I didn't get a sponsor for two years. Right? Atta girl. I had, I had nobody hanging the mirror up to me. I was just <laughs> running rampant. I had that ego that said, I got this. Yeah, I got the book. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Let's move on. You know, I was white knuckling it for two years, right? I didn't know that. But what I started hearing in meetings I was relating to, I heard people say that if they didn't work the steps, they'd go out, right? I heard people say that, you know, God, they just did a third step. And, oh, they feel so much better. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't even know how, what that means. I think I was, I was in a community that I had never lived in before because, of course, I immediately moved in with this woman after two months because she was the love of my life, right? 
we're not together today. <laughs> but I moved to this community. I didn't even know where like the bars were or the package stores or, you know, I didn't know. So it was easy to get swept up for me in the AA community who said, oh, keep coming back. Oh yeah, keep coming. Oh, we're going out for this. Okay, great. It was all about being needed and wanted. And so in that process of being needed and wanted, I needed and wanted more of what they had. And it just kind of was a transformation over time. I, I got involved in my district with the picnic we used to put on. That was great, but it wasn't self-fulfilling. I still had that crap inside of me that was um, not, not getting any better. But you said that you hadn't really had a lot of consequences. And I wonder if that is what allowed you to, to not jump into the steps and do the hard work. Because if you haven't suffered the pain, I did not want to do the steps, but I knew, you know, I came in much like you did. I, I really didn't have a lot of consequences. It was a, an emotional and spiritual crash that brought me into a, and it was the realization that there's no end to this and I'm never going to be able to control it. I really convinced myself of that by failing at controlling it. So I failed. I mean, I did not want to come to AA and I did not want to be an alcoholic. No choice. I've got it. And I came to AA. So then that gave me the willingness. I like your story here that you're saying that what happened to you is you were attracted to the fellowship of AA and everything around it. And it slowly but surely seeped in that you need to maybe do the third step. Yeah, what seeped in was I was on my way to a meeting and my car stopped at a 7-Eleven and uh, I wanted a drink. There it is. And I got to the meeting because I, I was like, what? Oh my God, you know, and I went to the meeting and, and asked a woman at that time to be my sponsor. Because again, I'm not going to admit defeat. Who cares to admit defeat, right? Yes, First yes. step. Now, I was one of those. Who cares to admit defeat? I, I don't, I'm not doing that, you know. It took what it took for me to get to the point where I was willing to say, oh, I don't want to have to do that. I think one of the things that early on, I remember sitting in meetings and people talking about their drinking experiences, and I can remember tasting it, sitting in a room, no alcohol around and tasting it on my tongue. And that reaction in my body that was like, it was things like that, that I would just not talk about. Because, you know, I didn't want to be different. Nobody had said that they're different. I, you know, I don't want to be different. It just, it took what it took for me. And I don't know how God saw fit for me to be not climbing the walls and, you know, crazy as a bed bug. I didn't want to say that. I wanted to say something else. <laughs> but I, I don't know how that happened. I just know that I was so desperate to be loved and so desperate to be a part of. I was willing to do whatever it was just to be a part of. And if nobody said I had to do the steps, which I'm sure they did, I didn't hear that. I was a part of, right? They kept saying, keep coming back, keep coming. Oh, hey, we're going to go to this, keep coming. And I kept doing that, you know? What was the obstacle in the steps that, what were you afraid of? What was it that you didn't want to surrender? Where was the wall that you didn't want to cross? I did not want to cross the second step came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And it wasn't about the sanity. I didn't hear that part. I heard God. 
Mm. And I thought, nope, not going there. Uh, so these steps we're not going to do two, three, four and five, maybe six and seven, uh, definitely not. Since everyone owes me amends, I can't wait for them to make that in nine. <laughs> um, you know, the short form of the steps is um, made a list of all the persons we have harmed and asked God to remove them. <laughs> That's the one I took. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was it. I, I did not want that God I'd had. I'd had experiences growing up in a church when my parents got divorced, when I was young, we stopped going to church. So there wasn't a connection I had. It wasn't a relationship. And then throughout my drinking, that became my church. My God was the alcohol. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about King alcohol, I say, mm-hmm, I got that. No, that alcohol wasn't. was definitely a higher power for me as well. Yeah. It, it was in charge. Yeah. So yeah, the higher power thing bothered me. I thought for sure I was going to have to go sell Bibles to, you know, I don't know, <laughs> cities or something. I, I didn't know. Our vision of what this stuff means is so skewed, so awful. It's an amazing thing to choose your own conception of God. It's yeah. different than what I thought when I... Well, and that's changed over time too, right, Don? I mean, yeah. my conception of a, of a higher power in the very beginning was... God with robes and, you know, halos, but not that God, right? That was, okay, I'll use this picture, but I'm going to say he does other things, you know? And I've spent my sobriety has been a a trek, right? It's been a trek through lots of different religions, lots of different philosophies um, to come to a place where I'm comfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, And that's the most important thing is coming to that place where we're comfortable, yeah. Today, I don't even need to define what it is. That's what's really cool. What I'm doing works. I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And I don't need to know the ins and outs of this higher power. I don't need to yeah. try to define it because then I'm trying to control again. Yeah. But that, So, Sam, don't you think that part of it is the fear of being asked to believe in something that I don't believe in? But part mm-hmm. of it, part of it for me was... What do you mean? Give up control of my life? And oh, I'm gosh. Saying, what am I going to be? I mean, what what are you saying? And Cindy, you were talking about what ha, was that part of it? Absolutely, because mm. what would I be? I don't know what that looks like. I was born and brought up in New York, right? I moved to Virginia. It's not New York, <laughs> right? And that was uh. one of the first things that struck me was like, oh my gosh, right? There are churches on every single corner, and mm-hmm. oh. You know, yeah, it was like, I don't, I don't want that conception. That doesn't work for me. And, and the people in the groups that I was in sometimes would talk about their perception of God or conception of God. And they would use names that I was like, mm, not, not going to go there. That's, I think that was one of the turnoffs that I had early on. And that's why it took so long. I needed to hear other people say higher power, higher power, right? Whatever worked for you, you know, I needed to hear that openness. And so when I change, you know, we, we come into meetings, we go to different meetings, we start to hear and are attracted to other things. And I just started finding a home that was a lot more comfortable. And I think that's what, what really finally flipped that switch for me. That's fantastic. And the thing that, that perked my ears up was you mentioned earlier about, you know, the uh, the taste talking about that you got that taste of alcohol in your mouth when you were sitting in that meeting and just now talking about different perspectives and different ways of thinking uh, and sharing those in meetings it is so important 
for those of us who are not, I don't know how to put it, mainstream, common uh, in, in our thinking uh, of, of things, to speak up in meetings too, because that's where we give other people who are thinking I'm the only one the opportunity to realize they're not. Yeah, I 100% agree. I have this thing with my sponsees today that I don't let them use the words in the big book to tell me how they feel. Ooh, that's interesting. How does that work? Well, don't tell me that you are demoralized, right? Don't tell me that you are struggling with a higher power. Tell me what you really are feeling, which is, I feel like a piece of crap. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what to do with it. And I, I don't like this God thing. You know, tell me the words that you use. Because I feel like when I first got here, I remember hearing the phrase in the rooms. I had no idea what that meant. Uh-huh. Right. It's like open and closed meetings. If you're a college kid, you don't go to closed meetings because there's no seats available. Right. You go to open meetings because that's where seats are. That's what happens to college oh, courses. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. I had a kid talk, ask me about that in a meeting. And I was like, oh, my God, I never even thought about that. So the word and the way we we talk in AA is not what I used out there. So I yeah. really encourage my sponsees and others to say, what do you feel? Because they feel like they have to say what's in the book and they don't remember it or whatever. I'm like, I don't care about that. Just tell me how you're feeling. Right. right. Tell me what's mm-hmm. going on with you. Get real. Get real. <laughs> Get real. And then also the uh, the things like, you know, the, the language, the open and closed meetings, the crosstalk, things like this is where having a temporary sponsor, just someone you can ask questions of is hugely beneficial. You know, ask questions. We want to talk. We want to help. You said it earlier. You have to be able to say the things in meetings that not everybody is saying. And I encourage always for old timers. I don't know what that means, but, you know, people who've been around a while. You need to, you're in a beginner's meeting. Yeah, they need to talk, but they need to hear from you, mm. right? Beginner's Absolutely. meeting, if only the beginners are talking. They're all white knuckling it. They're not getting anywhere, right? We need to give them a path. We need to give them some hope. We need to, to shine the light somewhere that they can get out of where they're sitting. And we need to share that message with them. That works both ways in that I've been to a meeting where there was talking about resentment and no one, no one was talking about higher power and given the resentment to our power. And I complained about that to my sponsor. <laughs> and he was going, <laughs> and he said, don't you think you should bring it up? You bring it to the meeting. So it, yes. it, it, it's the case. Cindy, this has been great. I, would you say that you would consider yourself a spearhead of God's ever advancing creation? <laughs> You know, that's exactly what I was talking to myself about this morning. I was about to tell you to pay no attention to that spiritual gas giant wow. on the other screen there. Okay. Yeah, he's a giant, all right. That's right out of the book. <laughs> so if a sponsee says that, you would take that as being real. Uh, yeah, I would take that as uh, real something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cindy, thanks so much. Thanks so much for joining us, Cindy. Absolutely. This is hashtag heard in a meeting. Also known as pound sign. Heard in a pound meeting. sign. <laughs> what is hashtag heard in a meeting, Sam? 
Well, hashtag heard in a meeting is this hashtag that you use on social media that makes it easy to find posts that are related. And for instance, I'm sitting in this meeting and someone says some awesome phrase that I have never, ever heard, or I've heard it 20 times and I always forget it. And I want to remember it. So I might tweet it or post it on Insta or something like that with hashtag heard in a meeting. And then when we are scouring through social media to take a look at what have people been posting, we might wind up reading it on the podcast. And today we have a special guest. Josh is going to join us. Hey, Josh, welcome. Thanks very much. I'm glad to be here. This is exciting and different and confusing and cool. <laughs> well, I've got one. What you got? I got this one from Instagram. Hashtag heard in a meeting. Our triggers reveal the parts of us that still need to heal. That's deep. It kind of is. That's not for those superficial wounds. That's for those really deep down to the bone wounds. Here's a hashtag heard in a meeting that I like to say, which I originally heard was from Confucius. If somebody throws salt at me, it only burns in places where I am sore. So deep. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I've often said it to Fonsees at different times and they go, oh, I don't like that because it means that I have to look at the places where I get angry. And if I'm getting angry, I'm angry because I've got some fear or something I'm fighting. And what am I afraid of? And what am I fighting? It just means I've got to dive deeper. Well, I've got one that I found on the tweeter. Hashtag heard in a meeting, a way to arrange change is to get really, really tired of yourself. I kind of have done more change due to pain rather than boredom, but I see what you're saying. <laughs> well, you know, getting really, really tired of myself can be painful. I, I actually <laughs> mentioned this to my sponsor not too long ago. It's like, I'm just kind of over myself right now. I mean... <laughs> I'm so bored. It hurts. <laughs> well, you got something, Josh? What you got? Are you really tired of yourself yet? It didn't resonate with me. But that's one of the things I think is interesting about sharing out the thing that triggers us in a meeting in a positive or negative way, mm -hmm. especially in a place like, like hashtagging it on to 300 million people. Yeah. You're going to catch people with it that does trigger they're like whoa yeah that's what i needed to hear today and then there's gonna be mm -hmm. people who hear that and go that makes no sense at all that's like because that's not that's not how this works get off the <laughs> get off the twitter <laughs> <laughs> so what yeah. you're saying is i have a lot of open wounds <clears throat> full of salt <laughs> yeah exactly here's one hashtag heard in a meeting gut feelings are your guardian angels hmm so it sounds like we will intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. Oh, that's nice good. translation. Yeah, that's, I like it. Yeah, that's good. Hashtag heard in a meeting, the cookie rule. Go to a meeting, eat a cookie. Repeat, don't drink between cookies. Get a sponsor and work the steps too. <laughs> it didn't say all that if you had the asterisks. It said all that. <laughs> it works. Don't drink between the cookies. <laughs> and then after you've been sober a few years, start cutting back on the cookies. <laughs> <laughs>
but the big thing I think there is the asterisk at the end, the get a sponsor and work the steps too. That makes it a hell of a lot easier not to drink between the cookies. <laughs> I did find this one though. Uh, if you keep doing what you used to do, you keep getting what you used to get. So if you're not happy with how things are, do something different. It worked for me. That's right. Very practical. It's that simple. <laughs> I've heard that said, the man I was drank, the man I was will drink again. Mm. I've heard that said, the woman I was drank, the woman I was will drink again. <laughs> and it's all true. <laughs> it is true. Hashtag heard in a meeting. Y'all get out there and, and throw that hashtag out on social media. Let us know what you're hearing. And Josh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Josh. Hey, Krusty, those two dogs are always around on your camera. They must love Zoom meetings. My dogs have been to more meetings during the pandemic than my sponsees. (laughs) (laughs) It's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.